Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 593 of Longbox Heroes, the Lamborghini of comic book podcasts. Joe and Todd here. Todd, how you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. So I tried to come in less hot than I usually do at the beginning of the show. Right. Because uh, I, when I do my editing, I see that I've like super spiked the uh, the levels. Mm-hmm. And then I come back down to a normal speaking voice. But I, I try to do that up front because when I mix the theme song in, right, I don't want like the theme song cutting me out, but more so not cutting you out when you do the intro. Oh, I get you. Yeah, I get you. Wait a minute. We have a theme song. We do have a theme song. We talked okay. about this many, many weeks ago. <laughs> I know. When all those people passive aggressively contacted you and said that I needed to update the opening of the show. I remember that. I remember that, too, because <laughs> I don't forget anything. What? You keep detailed notes and what screen caps in your phone. So Yes. And <laughs> there are things that happen in a pre screen cap world um, that may not rattle around in my head on a daily basis, but only need like a word or two to words? shake it loose. Right. Words is your tr- your trigger mm. thing. I forget how it came up. It was recently, re- like, you know how on the social media every now and then, maybe this happens to you, um, maybe it doesn't, maybe it happens to you, the listener of the show as well, where something that you said or some interaction that you had that maybe got, like, a bunch of likes or a bunch of retweets or something, mm-hmm. and then, like, all of a sudden, like, months, if not years later... It just randomly gets retweeted again. Right. That's like, happened. Why is this tweet from 2016 being like on? Why is it on my timeline today? Right. One bots, two, <laughs> God only knows, you know? But it was somebody making a joke alleging that myself and words are the same person. Joke? I mean, yes, joke. <laughs> it was from like December of 2016. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this isn't, this is like, this is uh, something that hasn't been mined in quite some time. I think words and I have shown ourselves to be very different people, you know? Sure. Granted, we have the same exact tweets in regards to the lipping status of the Iron Sheik. That's <laughs> just a coincidence. If this was a video podcast, I would queue up the Spider-Mans pointing at each other. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's get into some news uh, here. Uh, as we are on uh, the less than month away release of the new Batman movie, um, it looks like DC is doing something to promote this, like in the comic book stores, which is something new to them. Right, right. Uh, follow up on the status of the Predator comic from Marvel. Follow up on the status and legal action with Action Lab Studios. And uh, if you are a digital comic book person, you might be seeing some big changes in the near future. Oh, I thought you were going to say ch-ch-ch-ching. No. Um, Conventions this weekend. Digital sales. Speaking of changes through digital books. What we read last week, which is excellent, number one. And Fantastic Four, Reckoning War, Alpha, number one. Mm-hmm. Is it alpha number one or is it just alpha? I think it's just alpha, right? Right. It says alpha, but every issue has to have a uh, number on it. So it has the Marvel's 
name than Alpha than one under it. So I right. Uh, what we're looking forward to coming out this week, uh, the follow-up winner from last week's Silver Standard Battle of the Batman and Spider-Man villains, and uh, this week's matchup as well, with Todd and I both making our best cases as such, and uh, TV stuff uh, with last week's offerings of Book of Boba Fett, uh, Legends of Tomorrow, and The Peacemaker. Right. So let's get right into this. Um, So DC, in conjunction with the upcoming The Batman Movie, are doing special cardboard standees to put your Batman comic books in. Right. Um, You get it for free if you order any 30 of any of these specific DC uh, Batman books. Uh, Obviously, wouldn't you know who won the pony? Um, now see, this is the thing, uh, Batman year one in there, Batman Dark Knight Returns, I don't think is in there, even though it's in the picture on the display. Okay. Um, so, you know, obviously every 30 of these that you order, you get a free standee. Right. Um, I love the idea of this because I think this is great because I miss the days like I mean I've been around the comic shop for so much seeing like the promotional stuff and the stuff that they would help do like to the to the retailers and stuff. I really like this, but I just think it should be something that you shouldn't have. Like I guarantee you, anybody who has a decent halfway decent shop has a ton of Batman merchandise already. So adding 30 more books, it should just be like, Oh, like you do this much business from DC. Here's your standee. I don't know. I just, I know they're going to fill it with Batman product. It's it. That's not part of it, but that's the only thing that really stuck out of my head is that you have to buy 30 graphic novels to get it where it should just be here. You guys have been helping our business for years. Here's a standee. So what, what do you say? Everyone gets one for free. If you're like a retailer in good standing. Mm-hmm. And if you want more, then you have to order these extras. That's perfectly fair. You know what yeah, I mean? But- yeah, but it's you get one free for every 30 of these, whatever that you order. And listen, you know, if you're a big retailer and you're expecting a big turnover from the upcoming Batman movie, even though nothing on the shelves looks like what's going to be in the Batman movie or vice versa, that's fine. Um, you know, this is a thing, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I can only imagine not taking the company side, of course. But one can only imagine that this is a way that you're putting an incentivize in there so stores don't order just a bunch of these and then maybe try to flip them on the secondary market, which they will invariably flip them, be flipped on the secondary market. But you're just adding an extra step in there for maybe a less scrupulous retailer. Right. No, I get you don't want that, but I don't know. I also think. You know, if you're if they're your customer, if your retailer's buying a ton of stuff, you kind of owe them. You know what I mean? Like you could see the numbers, but what I'm you with you. Do, you know. Now it looks as though um, this is going to be DC's new thing, because uh, it appears as though they are going to be doing this with the uh, Flash, Black Adam, and Aquaman two movies later this year. Mm-hmm. So. 
you know, one can only imagine that this is the first time that they're doing something like this. Right. Maybe they'll write the ship, course correct, etc. for the next ones. Obviously, Batman is an easier sell than Black Adam. Right, but here's my thing. Like, what 30 graphic novels are you going to sell for Aquaman or Black Adam? Sure, right. So that's what I'm saying is maybe with uh, Aquaman, Black Adam, you're going to get your one for free, and then you got to order more to get extra. Mm -hmm. Because like I said, it's easy. Like, Batman books are Batman books. There's tons to choose from. I think Black Adam books, there's like seven. Right. I mean, I guess you could put in some Captain Marvel and JSA stuff and blah, blah, blah. But sure. I don't know, you know. So. It'll it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Right. Now, I, and again, I know this doesn't mean a lick uh, for you, Todd. Mm-hmm. Um, however, um, there is and have been a lot of changes in regards to how folks get their digital comics, right? Mm-hmm. So if you get your books through the Comicsology app, your life will continue as normal and you will see no changes, okay? Um, if you had been redeeming your uh, Marvel codes, however you do it, and just an update there, there's still no rhyme or reason. Some books you have to send in a picture. Some books have the code inside them. There's no thing that says like, oh, this title does it. Like I've had like four issues of Amazing Spider-Man in a row because it comes out weekly. Right. Where <laughs> three of them, you had to take pictures of them and one of them had the code in them. And it was like one picture, one code, two picture. Like in that <laughs> order, right? Sure. So there's no rhyme or reason as to why um, but when you redeem, because the Marvel um, web presence of the digital went away a long time ago, and you click that, it redirects you to the Comixology web presence. I think in the next week or two, the Comixology web presence is going away, and it's being filtered or redirecting you through Amazon. Now, mm-hmm. Comixology is an Amazon company. When you go to log in to your Comixology account, it gives you the preference um, to log in using your Comixology thing or your Amazon thing, which are gonna should be linked anyway. But like Comixology.com is going away on the 17th of February. Okay. I'm just putting that out there because I know there are folks, myself included, that access their books that way. When, you know, sometimes you read something digitally or you talk, you read something on a Wednesday and then you need to reference it again on a Tuesday when you're talking about it on your podcast. <laughs> mm-hmm. Sometimes it's easier just to pull it up that way and have right. it there on the browser for you as opposed to, you know, whatever. No, I get you. Um, the only time I ever really used Comixology was like when we were doing like Todd and Joe have issues and there's a couple like the free ones that were there like uh, I know like Astro City one half so that's in my library if you will I but yeah I just never really use Comixology and I always use it through the app so I don't know if that will change or whatever so it claims as though if you're using it through the app there shouldn't be an issue right okay um but this, you know, whatever it is through the Amazon side of things, it's 
like Amazon.com slash Kindle hyphen DBS slash comic store. Rolls right off the tongue. Right. So if you do read your comics in that fashion, just, uh, you know, forewarning, be prepared in about a week and a half for that, to, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, also, more follow-ups um, all the way from almost a year ago, the Predator comic uh, from Ed Brisson and Kev Walker um may be coming out sooner than later because the omnibus of all of the dark horse stuff is coming out in may okay um it is on the schedule now things can change of course um or i'm sorry yeah so with these solicitations that we're getting in february that should be on the may 2022 uh solicitations okay i thought february would be april no, but no, so, okay, February is April, but with the trades and everything. Okay. Like, the trades are in there for, like, a month in advance. And sometimes I, the hardcovers and stuff are even further still. Fair enough. I got confused. I see what you're saying, yeah. Now, I will say this. When you click through the Diamond site for the Predator thing, mm-hmm. it says May 2022. But when you look at the same book on Amazon, it says September 2022. Well, I don't even know who to go with there, you know? Right. So the fact that it's even back on the schedule means that that book could be coming sooner than later. Right. I'm going to split the difference. And you're going to say July? Yep. Right. I think July is when we'll, right, so July is when we'll see the new book, the new ongoing. Right, and isn't there a TV show coming this year? So maybe it'll come out around then, that stuff, mm. you know? Interesting. And last but not least, you know, we had talked about it before on the show. Um, Action Lab, which was an indie publisher, um, did a lot of, like, uh, all-ages books. Probably the book that you would probably know the most was Princeless, which was, like, a all-female cast pirate swashbuckling book. Um... So about 40 of the creators that had books and projects and so forth uh, come out through Action Lab uh, have put together a class action lawsuit against um, Action Lab. Um, You know, obviously with a lot of receipts just for everything from, you know, what they figure, you know, uh, unpaid royalties would be. Um, you know, and some of these folks, like their unpaid royalties are as little as like $500 and some are like upwards of 25,000. Okay. But by putting it all together, of course, obviously that's hopefully going to move that process along quicker. Um, the CEO, et cetera, et cetera, of Action Lab, uh, stated that, uh, they feel as though even though they're not publishing and not paying anything, the contracts remain in in uh, force with these creators, and they intend to protect their rights vigorously. Of course they do. So that's not going to end well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, this is one of those that I really don't have, I'm not much of an opinion on. I want to see creators get paid. But like when I start reading like stuff like this, not, not legally so much as like, oh, well, this and this product and this amount is owed, like my eyes just glaze over. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, it's- a lot of it is just a bummer to see this many creators kind of get, get a raw deal from an independent publisher. Yeah. Um, 
I, I just think that, you know, the, the market is so different today than it was five to seven years ago when a lot of those deals may have been struck up mm-hmm. that a lot of these folks, one could have went to other publishers, self-published, kickstartered, you know, Indiegogo'd, Substacked, or otherwise, right? Right, yep. Yeah. How for the best, you know? Yeah, and that's the thing. It's just, you know, when when you see, like, big moves like this happening, and it's a story that we've discussed before, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. So this weekend, a little convention going on. Not a big one. Um, In Roanoke, Virginia, we have the Big Lick Comic Con. Okay. I, I'm not sure what the connotation is with that. I do have uh, friends and listeners in the Virginia area. Maybe they can fill me in on what the connotation or the correlation between Big Lick and Roanoke, Virginia is. I have no idea. Maybe it has something to do with the missing uh, thing. The, remember when the people moved to Roanoke and then they disappeared mysteriously? No. No idea what I'm talking about. Move on. I don't know what you're talking about. Okay. Sorry. I know I'm supposed to yes and, but I don't know what you're talking about. I won't go into it then. Good. Um, But guests there include LeVar Burton and Howard Chaikin. Howard Chaikin's an interesting cat, man. He certainly is. I'm going to say, if you you might, some swarthy language if you go see Howard Chaikin. Yeah, he, he, I'm. I, I was. I was shocked to see his name appear on the guest list. Is all I'll say. Right. Don't bring him Star Wars books. <laughs> uh, well, uh, some folks that you could bring Star Wars books to is our friends and related partners at the Soon to Be Named Network at Soon to Be Named Network dot com, Soon to Be Named Network dot Tumblr dot com. All the shows in the Soon to Be Named Network. Um, I know the cross promotions of a lot of these shows have been quiet. Everybody's kind of been sticking to their own shows in the last two or three weeks. I think it's because everyone's um, guest appearance on podcasts price have gone up. <laughs> but you could certainly get your fill of the soon to be named network either with this show, Longbox Heroes, Longbox Heroes After Dark, uh, At Odds with Wrestling, We Need Wrestling, Wings on Wings, Puzzle Warriors Three, Profane Arguments, Hit My Music. Porch Talk, and I think that's everything, right? I think so. You can check out our friend Kevin over at his website, Masked Library. He's been doing a lot more of his uh, thrift store finds of different comic packs and just reviews of some more independent stuff that we typically don't get our uh, uh, our deeper hooks into, if you will. True. Uh, Rick Williams, The Chop Shop, all those cool resin and glow-in-the-dark sci-fi fantasy wrestling figures that he does. Uh, Jason Sandberg's Jupiter, Chris Runt's Battle Monsters. I'm going to have to update the links for those because Comixology.com is going away here in the near future. (laughs) Uh, But if you're a physical comic person, you can certainly check out our comic book store, Comics on the Green. Uh, Their Facebook page, that's where Dave and the gang do a lot of their businessing and deals and he has a store set up there as well if you do not have a comic book shop in your area or you do not have a good comic book shop in your area certainly check out comics on the green they have a fantastic mail order subscription business you get your books mailed to you weekly bi-weekly once a month what have you and if you do you might even get a sketch from our good friend becky and you can check out some of the process and art and so on and so forth that she does 
Um, I know she doesn't tag stuff with Todd's Art Attack, and I always forget to co-opt tag her stuff. But she did uh, Aqua Mandalorian this week as a commission. Yep, I love that as one word, Joe. Yes. So definitely go check that out and a lot of her other work. And all of her social medias are linked up into the show notes and every single one of the posts that accompanies every single one of these episodes. And you can even get a commission yourself if you contact her. Absolutely. Ton of digital sales going on. A lot of leftovers, lingering stuff from last week. Uh, But I'm just going to run right down the list. Uh, Marvel having sales on Secret Wars and Spider-Gwen stuff. Uh, Dark Horse having sales on Neil Gaiman stuff. I mentioned a few moments ago. And a generic Valentine's Day sale. Uh, as is DC, they still have their Black uh, Black History Month sale going on as well. Uh, IDW having a Transformers sale. Dynamite having a Creators and Omnibus sale going on. Uh, Marvel's Black History Month sales are Black Panther and Miles Morales. Uh, Oni Press has a Lion Forge sale going on. Valiant having a Black History Month sale going on. And just the general rest of the indie books over at Comixology are on sale if they are related to uh, black and people of color creators over there. Now, I did want to leave this one for last. Um, This image is having a 30th anniversary sale. Hmm. And it's a bunch of trades of some of their biggest hits. And it's just like the first trade of some of these things. And as I look at the list of things, Todd, um, obviously you don't look at these things. How many of the OG image books are included in this 29 book sale? Of the original OG? Um, seven. Two. Ooh, Spawn and uh, Savage Dragon? You would be correct. Uh, Witch Blade comes a little bit later. The Darkness comes a little bit later. Uh, but again, when they're celebrating their 30th anniversary, you know, you got you got Descender, you got Gideon Falls, uh, you got I Kill Giants, which is very near and dear to my heart. You got Invincible, Kill or Be Killed, uh, Outcast. Eventually, season three of that show is going to come out. <laughs> <laughs> Saga, Sex Criminals, Southern Bastards, The Fix. Walking Dead Wanted, the big guns, the heavy hitters, you know what I mean? Like, those mm-hmm. are included in this. Right. And, uh, you know, from that original uh, image run, you know, not as much had lasting power. Right. Well, that was 30 years ago. Seems like yesterday. Well, again, when you do previewing the past, it certainly seems like yesterday. <laughs> yes, it does. Yeah. So let's get into what we read from this past week, Todd. I'm going to turn things over to you to start things off. Right, I'm going to go with the book I was looking forward to most, which is Fantastic Four Reckoning War Alpha Number One, which I actually looked up in the like uh, the the trademark stuff at the end of the book, and that's the way it's it's marked Alpha Number One. So uh, basically, in the little synopsis in the beginning, they give us that Owatu the Watcher is back. He was dead. And do you remember Nick Fury was the unseen and he was watching? Well, Owatu uh, has made him his herald. So World War II Nick Fury is, is back doing stuff. And he's looking around and he's seeing a bunch of these, like, terrible alien races that, like, that are warlike 
all of a sudden are getting this technology that's like way above their pay grade. So he goes back and he tells Watu and he's like, I think I know what's going on. Um, I have to intercede. And he's like, intercede? Like you're the watchers. Like not only do I have to, like I have to gather all the other watchers. This is the one time we're allowed to do it. And he just like disappears. And when that happens, all these warlike races end up like attacking all these planets throughout the universe, including Earth. Uh, the Badoon show up and they end up by starting with the big gun by blowing up the moon. Um, they blow up the moon and pieces are raining down and all the heroes are fighting. Um, they're fighting back the Badoon and they're trying to figure out what's going on. Um, and this is where the book kind of like starts to stack story upon story because he, uh, Dan Slott ends up using every character that he's pretty much had a run on in the past like 15 years. Cause at one point Jennifer Walters, the she Hulk is doing something and two characters show up. I'm trying to look up their names really quick. It, they are justice, uh, peace and justice love. And they're from like her run in 2005. And they're like, uh, I can't believe this is where I'm. she's like, this is that, that thing that you warned me of back in She-Hulk volume two, number three from 2005 footnotes. Gotta love them. And they're like, oh, yes. I love footnotes. Yep. Uh, we have to take the TVA off the board. So they do. And then like somebody comes to see uh, Norrin Rad, AKA the Silver Surfer, like they, we need you. So he wrote that character. And then we find out uh, through an orb that Nick Fury gives to Mr. Fantastic the story of what's going on that at the beginning of time when the watchers had, you know, were before they just watched and they got involved, they were giving like, you know, uh, technology and people to advance them and make things better. But of course that went sideways as we know with the watchers and that's what made them only watch. Um, it ends up being this group who destroyed nine tenths of the universe. <laughs> and so the watchers put up a barrier around it and the rest is a toxic wasteland. And we find out that that group of aliens had a name before, but now they're called the uh, reckoning. And this was the war that happened. And now we have to stop one of the people who was from that like toxic wasteland is coming to destroy everything that the watchers have built. Um, I read this beautiful art by Carlos Pacheco, lots going on, but it's one of those things with Dan Slott where he likes, like this is his big event and he's just layering it with like plot points and stuff. And after a while, it just got very convoluted. I, I like the issue. I'm going to read it cause it's fantastic for, but man, oh man, I think he just put too much in to the first one and I just kind of glazed over on all this but like I said it is a fantastic four story so I'm going to follow through on it now is this just crossing over with the main fantastic four book or is this crossing over with other stuff for the most part I believe it's just the fantastic four book with a couple of one shots like not like when I was doing my order form for this back when it was coming out it was through the fantastic four book and then a couple of one shots so I didn't feel like whatever it was knowing that even if I wasn't going to like it I didn't feel like yeah if I don't like it I'm not overwhelmed with all these one shots gotcha. but I don't know the number off the top of my head Sure sure I just wasn't uh sure how wide sweeping this crossover was Right I think it's kind of like the same way, like timeless led into is going to lead into one small thing over here. And then who knows, maybe it all come together in the end, but I think they're keeping it pockets at Marvel right now. 
Right. So my book that I read this past week uh, was Excellent, number one, and that's X hyphen Salent, number one, written by Peter Milligan with art by Michael Dalton Allred. Um, so we have our two X teams here, uh, one led by the, uh, Mr. Sensitive and the other by the returning Mr. Invincible. And these teams are more concerned about being popular and famous than they are with, um, you know, actually helping things. Right. Um, A majority of this book is both teams attempting to get a teleporter. And we do get some fun cameos from, like, ex-folks that typically don't cross over into this iteration of the ex-universe. You know, like, this was its own little pocket thing. And then some of these characters, most notably Dupe, became like a hit that would pop up in other books. But very rarely would you see, like, the other ex-people come over here. Mm-hmm. Um, we also have uh, Mr. Invincible um, is trying to revive Venus de Milo, who was their teleporter. Mm-hmm. And he has a team of scientists working on that. And if there was any, at least to the reader, uh, any question of who the good guys and who the bad guys are in this book. Uh, that scene certainly gives you that answer. Um, but uh, this whole book is just about public perception. You know, the main ecstatic team goes out like on a rescue mission and then they come back to their headquarters and refilm scenes <laughs> uh, so that when it gets put out to their social media, they have better shots of different things. Uh, they may have flubbed a line when they were saving someone or they didn't quite say the punchy whatever. Um, so they just go ahead and refilm those things and edit it back in. But they got to be quick because the world of social media moves very quick. Uh, this feels like a very odd book that should not be published by Marvel. Um, <laughs> all the way back to when it was first published by Marvel in the late 90s. And the fact that, you know, and again, this is not like some sort of blockbuster book. It's very much a niche title. But the fact that Marvel is willing to give this book like its fourth chance, uh, I definitely say speaks for the loyal fan base and the creators and the characters and everything else like this. Um, I I don't think this is a book that you can jump into fresh and clean unless you have like the intimate knowledge of these characters going back to their origins all the way, all the way back to whenever that was in the late nineties. But if, you read that book back then, you know, you could jump right in because it's a lot of the same characters, their kids, their archetypes and so forth. Right. Because that was the question I was going to ask you, because for this, like, you know, sometimes we read each other's books and I looked up the solicit for it. and was like, this is what I got. It's finally here. They were loved by their adoring fans. They were reviled by the harsh press press. They lived, they loved, they fought and they died a lot all for the sake of fame. They were ecstatic, a team of, you know, mutant celebrities. And I'm like, okay, like just in the solicit makes me feel like they have a long track record. If you get what I mean. Yes. So I was like, I don't want to go in reading this book because I have a feeling this falls into like the thing that keeps me out of X books that you need a PhD in mutinology. So I was, I was going to ask that question. And the other thing is this is an ongoing, not a one shot. 
Um, I think it's a mini series at least. Okay, because like I was under the uh, assumption that it was a one shot because you're saying like they're giving this book another chance. I was like, oh, okay, maybe it's an ongoing, and I just didn't know. You know what I mean? Nope it's a it's a it's at least a mini series because like obviously it says it's part one of it doesn't say part one of X it just says part one, mm-hmm. um and there's a cliffhanger of course at the end, uh where it says to be continued next month it is in the solicitations up to May, okay so, right and I kept saying Mister uh, Invincible but it's actually Zeitgeist is his new name that he named himself oh good for him Zeitgeist. Um, but again, it's, you know, and he's trying to, like, do his ecstatic team where, like, we need to have, like, a beast-type character. We need to have a teleporter-type character. We need to have, a, like, a t- you know, whatever. Like, he's trying to fit what his old team was, which is just, like, advanced versions of what that original X-Men team was from back in the 60s, you know? Right. Here's here's our Colossus. Here's our Wolverine. But power-like, yes. I mean. Yes. Um, okay. Again, it's definitely an interesting book. It's definitely a unique book. Um, they, like I said, it, it's just not first issue reader friendly. I don't think. Mm-hmm. But I enjoyed it. Okay. Uh, so that's what we read last week. Let's get into what we're looking forward to coming out this week. Uh, if you head over to longboxheroes.com every Tuesday around noon Eastern time, we put up the poll post which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week. Whether you get your books in print, whether you get them delivered to your home, uh, whether you wait for the omnibus to come out in the next six to nine months, be forewarned, be forearmed, know what's coming out this week. Todd and I attempt to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week. Uh, and Todd is currently in the lead with two correct guesses over me. Mm-hmm. And I go first. Yes. I have to look at your list. We have very similar lists, Mm -hmm. except for a book or two. Right. And I have to ask the internet, not you, because you're going to give things away. I think the book you're most looking forward to coming out this week is Maestro World War M number one. It is uh, Hulk, uh, well, Maestro World War M. Yes. Uh, yeah, they, they did it as like a series of mini series, is, 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 and I would assume that this is the finale. Yes, I do believe this is the uh, the final of three. I mean, I, they could go on because I remember when Peter David was doing those symbiote books and there was only a couple of them and then he did like nine. So we'll see. Right. Um, but uh, is the book that you're looking forward to most? Um I'm going to guess, is it Joker 12? No. What is it, Maestro? Maestro, World War M, number one. That's what I said. Well, if only your ringtone maker could get this before it goes public to correct that, but no. Maybe I'll be excellent and redo it. You know what <laughs> I mean? See what I did uh, it is a le- it's a lean week for both of us. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of middle of the story stuff for a lot of things, but I was really enjoying uh, the Maestro thing, and uh, I'm glad it's coming back. You know, mm-hmm. I felt as though there was a little bit more of a delay between this one and the previous one, as opposed to the first and the second ones. They seem to like roll right into each other. You know, yes, they did. But that's okay. Sometimes you need to take a break. I need to take a break. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, so speaking of breaks, speaking of whatever, um, let us look at the uh, results from last week's Silver Standard as Todd and I attempt to pit the bottom of the barrel uh, of the Batman and Spider-Man rogues galleries to see who is the definitive second best rogues gallery in all of comics. It's a foregone conclusion that the Flash's rogues gallery is the best. You know, second comes right after first, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and again, uh, this one a little bit closer than pre- the last couple of weeks, uh, but Magpie uh, ends up getting the Duke and moving on to the next round. Magpie. Yep. You getting nervous yet, Joe? Nah. It's a long year, Todd. Okay, we'll see. I, I got a preview of next week, and I think I, I, I got a better shot at next week, maybe, uh, than this week. Um, I need to keep better track of how this works when we go first or second or whatever it is, you know? Right. Um, but uh, let's just say I'll go first this week, okay? Okie dokie. Okay, so Todd... One of the things that you hate the most about Spider-Man villains is that they're all based on animals, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I like that. I just like that they're all based on animals because why not? Okay. Right. So maybe around the early 2000s, um, before he wrote arguably the worst Spider-Man story of all time, J. Michael Straczynski decided, what if? All of these people that fight Spider-Man uh, chose these animals to, you know, uh, pick as their whatever. What if it wasn't just happenstance, right? Wasn't it just like, I want to be a big giant scorpion or I want to be a beetle or whatever, right? What if there was some greater force, Todd, that reached back millennia? totems if you will that would inspire people throughout the years and decades and centuries to take on the mantle of different animals for good or evil and what if todd there was a character a vampire if you will that kept these totem animal spirits in check so that villain is my villain of the month, Morlun. I was not keen on them. Like, I had this conversation with my wife this morning. Okay? <laughs> God, you dragged her into this. Not about this per se, right? Um, she reads a lot of books from the vampire's point of view, okay? Mm-hmm. And she she gets a little perturbed when they decide to start taking liberties with what a vampire can and can't do, right? And I'm like, well, you know, vampire, lowercase v, just like most other, like, monsters are kind of public domain, you know? Anybody could write a vampire story or werewolf story or whatever, but once you get into Dracula, you got another thing. Or you get into Spider-Man, it's another thing, right? Mm-hmm. And would you, as, like, a published author, write a vampire book? And, like, I didn't even realize, like, as we were having this conversation, I didn't even realize that it was going to cross over into this today, but it did. Um, But, like, when you write your vampire book, 
lowercase v that stays in like whatever that little universe it is and it doesn't cross over with the way that Stephen King did vampires or the way that you know Stephanie Meyer did vampires or anyone else did vampires they all can kind of stay in their own little box right but if you decide to start mucking around with like the origins or the minutia or whatever of Spider-Man or Batman or the Flash one, we as comic book readers know it ain't going to last. And two, when you make that change, it changes in all iterations of that character because that's capital S Spider-Man, capital B Batman, capital F Flash, right? Mm-hmm. It's not like you as a published author can just say, like, I'm going to write a Spider-Man story where this happens, right? Right. So uh, James Straczynski was ambitious with a lot of his Spider-Man stories. Um, but this should have been the uh, writing on the wall to show that maybe he was a little bit too ambitious for his own good. Um, this is not an iteration of the animal whatever's, the creature totems that stuck around. It was more or less forgotten once he was no longer on the book. I think it was more or less forgotten um, once he was uh, like once he was done with this particular story arc. And then I think Moreland came back once just to kind of wrap up the fact that he exists. And it was one of those things where like, we got to bring him back just to kind of close the loop of this character. So he never can come back again. They gave him the Judas traveler. Goodbye. Pretty much. Pretty much. Right. Um, Like during the more recent um, Nick Spencer run, um, was like the final time that he was around. Um, but he was kind of depowered because a lot of the Nick Spencer run was wrapping up and fixing all of the problems that the Jam Straczynski run did, the super fast ninja aging kids, and Moreland. Am I saying that Moreland is bad as the super fast ninja aging kids? He is not. But a vampire rival of Spider-Man who feeds off the animal totems of his rivals is a pretty bad concept. Okay. Still think it's a better concept than the character I'm about to describe. Go for it. Okay. The villain that I have chosen this week is the masquerader. And he basically sends out his goons to tear and shred at Batman's costume every time they go, like, you know, commit a crime. So Batman's costumes keep getting tattered. So then the uh, masquerader ends up, who's this big, like, brute looking guy, he ends up, uh, he ends up kidnapping uh, Batman's personal tailor, Samuel Tweed. And he's this mouse, mousy little guy and everything. So he ends up using him to like make this costume for Batman and stuff. And he sends it off to him and ends up like saying, Hey, come to me. I have your tailor, you know, and we'll end up, you know, we'll duke it out and stuff like that. So he ends up going like, ah, okay, this seems to be a trap that he gave me a costume, but I have to go in an emergency. So he goes and puts the costume on. He goes and he fights the masquerader who is this big, huge guy. But we find out that the masquerader is actually Samuel Tweed, his tailor. And he has been doing this so he can get one over on Batman, kill him, 
and then end up becoming the criminal mastermind of Gotham. So yes, Joe, the masquerader has two tools in his toolbox. One is sewing. The second one is deception, Joe, right? <laughs> so he ends up doing all this so he can make a costume that Batman will put on. And then it's a special kind of fab- fabric that's going to squeeze him to death when he tricks him into a room with a giant heating lamp. Because as the moisture sucked out of it, it will constrict him and die. But Batman uses his laser to set off the water sprinkler, ends up you know, releasing the suit ends up beating him up. And then he just beats the tar out of his own tailor. And we end up, you know, sending him off to wherever never to be seen again. So yes, Joe, you take all your talking about vampires and sucking the life force out of animal totems. And I'll see that and raise you a guy with a needle and thread who decided today's the day I'm going to take on the bat. With, you know, misdirection and a really tight costume. There so, you go. I will go say this. Very ambitious. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, it sounds like he was a one and done get character. <laughs> yep, as all the best Batman villains are. Um, I would say a good, pl- I would say a good to great plan <laughs> for a 50s to 60s Bat villain. Mm-hmm. And I'll go you one for- further. Um, I think he would fit seamlessly into the uh, Adam West Burt Ward TV show. That's fine and all, but he was in the comic and it was terrible. Absolutely terrible. Um, his costume is ridiculous. And the fact that it's like, hey, goons, just go out and I don't know. Just f- make get, make his costume frayed and tattered. Like that's your game plan. Absolutely fine. I'll take, you know. Cool vampire totems all day over that, Joe. Well, you'll have to because I have a feeling that Moreland is going to be advancing in this uh, heads-up matchup here. When the poll goes up, be sure to vote for who you think is the lamest of these villains. Uh, Mm -hmm. So we can kind of move things on into the tournament. And, uh, you know, and even if at some point it ends up being all bat villains or whatever it is, you know, we'll still have some fun with it, but I don't think that'll happen. I think I got a couple strong Spidey choices in there, uh, you know, and, and the, the matchups are all done at random. So, you know, obviously the deck is not being stacked one way or the other, you know? Yeah, I mean, I am a little worried for you, though, because you eked one out. The only one you won, you eked out with Hypno Hustler and you eked it out. I'll give you Hypno Hustler's kind of crappy, but man, it's kind of been going my way. So we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, so while you're over at longboxheroes.com, of course, be sure to check out our store where you can purchase uh, shirts and pins and stickers with our fancy logo on them. You could head over to our T Public store where you can get even more designs on even more things inspired by this show, Longbox Heroes After Dark, uh, Add Odds with Wrestling, Final Wrestling Place, uh, which is still on hiatus and Hit My Music. Uh, this weekend is the 35% off. And that's going to run until Saturday. So get those orders in while you can. Uh, you can also sign up for our Patreon. Uh, Patreon.com slash Heroes. As little as a dollar a month is going to get you our two bonus shows a month. And if you're a fan of this show and you need more content, you need more of myself and Todd. Uh, I don't think there is a better deal on the internet than that. 
Uh, our two bonus shows monthly is the ongoing, at least until 2025, previewing the past as we look at that month's previews catalog 30 years ago to the day to see what the comic book world looked like. We just did February, uh, just this past weekend. And, uh, you know, the calm before the storm as I kind of beat into the ground with all my write-ups on everything, you know? You are not wrong as me scanning them. Boy, oh boy, some interesting stuff along the way. Yes. Uh, You know, if you are a comic book fan of our age, late 30s to plus, uh, this is like the boom is about to happen is Mm -hmm. all we're saying. Uh, And then, of course, our other one is a rotating movie podcast. This year, we're doing the films of Mark Pirro, the auteur knee genius behind (laughs) a Polish vampire in Burbank. Um, Did he uh, create the shared cinematic universe? Um, I I think all signs point to yes, but uh, we'll be exploring that throughout the course of 2022. At uh, the $5 and up level, you're going to get those two bonus shows two weeks before everyone else. And you're also going to get After Dark two days before everyone else so that you can listen to these shows in the correct listening order. Yes. Uh, last but not least, uh, you can also help us out by making any and all of your purchases through the Amazon click-through banner at the top of the page over at longboxheroes.com. It does not cost you anything extra. They, Amazon, call it an advertising fee. I call it the thing that makes Todd happy at the end of the month uh, when he gets his cut of the advertising fee. Yeah. Some of the notable purchases through the Amazon click-through include uh, somebody purchased the Quaker brand cereal Quisp, and Mm -hmm. I don't think that's the first time that that cereal has been purchased. I think that is a difficult cereal to come by, so if you're ordering your cereal online, then kudos to you. Right. Uh, I've almost uh, bit the bullet and bought an $11 box of Little Debbie's Cosmic Brownies cereal for my kid. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just because I haven't found it on the shelves around here. Uh, But sometime at the beginning of May, when I head down toward the uh, Easton Bethlehem area, uh, where it has been seen on store shelves, I may have to check those out before I drop some heavy coinage on a uh, chocolatey sprinkle cereal for my son. And when you do, I could share some of my uh, metformin diabetes medicine with them. Perfect. And uh, the last uh, purchase I do need to save, um, it'll kind of flow nicely into our TV discussion. Okay. Um, So if you didn't watch uh, the TV shows mentioned at the top of the show, Book of Boba Fett, Legends of Tomorrow, and The Peacemaker, we bid you adieu. We'll see you all here next week. Thanks for listening. Uh, this was Longbox Heroes uh, 593. Because the other purchase through the Amazon click-through, I think, was definitely inspired by Book of Boba Fett, which is just now Mandalorian show. Because mm-hmm. um, someone purchased the Star Wars Black Series Clone Wars Cad Bane action figure. Yes, they did. They certainly did. Cad Bane is a blue-skinned, red-eye cowboy uh, (laughs) in the Star Wars universe. (laughs) And uh, he, amongst many other folks, pop up in this episode of Not Mandalorian. There's other people in this episode than Cad Bane and Uh, uh, Cobb Vanth? Right, I was going to say Marshall, Will, Holly, and Cobb Vanth show up at the beginning of the show. 
right. uh, as he's dealing with uh, some of the spice trader folks that are coming through. Um, but a good chunk of this episode is Mandalorian going to the episode uh, or the episode, the island that we see in Rise of Skywalker, where Luke is there. Uh, Luke Skywalker is there. Uh, and Mandalorian is here to deliver his little shirt to 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 Baby Yoda. See, I want to disagree and say that's not the uh, place from Rise of Skywalker. They're building the library that he burns down. Yes, but here's the thing, Joe. That library is where he trained Kylo Ren. Right? He ends up Shay. He ends up like waking up in the middle of the night while while Luke says I was going to kill him. We remember all that, but then he stopped. Why would he hide on the planet that all the Jedi that Kylo Ren knows about? You so know you're I'm saying say? so you're he saying built- um the one that we saw in The Rise of Skywalker was his second library that he built. Right, cuz there was no forests on that island and we didn't see any porg like that were all over the place when he goes to that, that place. Do you know what I'm trying to say? He used those machines to build those little huts. Like he probably used on that Island that he went to for the last Jedi movie. All right. Fair enough. Okay. That's why I'm like, no, I don't think because why would you hide on the place where like, this was where my school was. Uh, Luke's not that bright. That is true. Right. Um, so Mandalorian shows up and he wants to deliver his little shirt to, uh, baby Yoda. <laughs> yeah. And I, I was mistaken last week. I'm like, eh, you know, maybe we'll get baby Yoda, the teaser thing of the last episode, or he'll just be the entire episode of this week's show. That's right. Uh, Mando wants to drop off his Beskar onesie. Yes. <laughs> um, so we get a bunch of training stuff. Um, we, we get a part where, uh, Luke, and again, it's CGI Luke. Your mileage may vary in regards to this. Mm -hmm. I'm used to it by now. Right. After CGI Moff Tarkin and CGI, uh, original, uh, series Leia in Rogue One and then getting, Luke at the end of Mandalorian as a fully CGI character and him being a fully CGI character. By this point, you're you're either going to like it or not like it. I'm here for it. I'm fine. I, I, I'm with you, too. So. Right. Um, so at one point, Luke uses uh, the Jedi mind, whatever, to help uh, Baby Yoda remember. Uh, how he came to be, I guess, you know, lost or whatever. And we get to see like a bunch of clone troopers getting shot down and we get to see some on, un- we get to see some, uh, face covered Jedis with baby Yoda. Right. Yep. During order 66. Right. So, um, while this is going on, um, what's her face? Who's Oshkosh played by, by uh, Rosario Dawson. Oshkosh by gosh. Right. Oshka is like, no, no, no. I kind of got to run interference for you because you and baby Yoda have a very strong bond. If he sees you, it's going to ruin his existing training that master Skywalker is trying to do with him. Right. Mm -hmm. So kind of keeps him at a distance. He says, well, I want to give him 
his uh, Beskar onesie. And he goes, okay, you got to get out of here, though. And he leaves uh, because Mando has to go report to Boba Fett and all the people that are being uh, recruited uh, to assist him against the uh, the Pikes. And yes. Luke gives Baby Yoda the option of the choice of the Beskar onesie or Yoda's lightsaber. And he says to him, he's like, you age differently than we do. You know, what is years to, you know, years to you is hundreds of years to us. And if you choose the Beskar onesie, you pretty much have to leave and can have to stop your training. But if you stay, look at this fancy lightsaber. Yes. Now, I just want to say on the Jedi aspect of the show, I have a couple of theories. Yes. Um, One of them is that who the person was that uh, saved baby Yoda, a.k.a. Darth Cutius, and brought Yoda's lightsaber, you know, because somebody had to save them. I think it's Mace Windu. Okay. He survived the fallout of the window in whatever the last movie was. And he ends up saving baby Yoda because he's the one who kills Jango Fett. So he's got to have a showdown with the man, with uh, Boba Fett for killing his father. Okay. That's, that's my, that's my opinion on that. And also the fact that I don't know, I have this weird thing that he's going to pick the best car onesie because um, in the movies, they said that Kylo Ren was uh, Luke's first student. Yep. So he's got to turn it down. And if he doesn't turn it down, there's no more. There's no Mandalorian season three. Right. And that so that's the exact thing I was making. The, I made the joke online. I would ask to at least try the onesie on first to see if it fit. <laughs> right. And then make my decision. And like, well, let me play with the lightsaber a little bit. Eh, let me try the onesie on again. <laughs> yeah, let me do some lightsaber stuff. You know, do that for fifty or sixty years. Yeah, you know, I get the best of both worlds, right? <laughs> but yes, exactly, because uh, currently Baby Yoda is quote unquote Luke's first student. But in the movies, they've told us that Kylo Ren was Luke's first student. Uh, so I think that kind of tips the hand of where Baby Yoda is going to go. And I want to. Um, that being said, Mandalorian leaves. He goes back to whatever that town was called before because now it's called Freetown. I think it was like Most Pelso or something like that. Yes. But either way. And he goes to ref- uh, to recruit Cobb Vanth. And, I, and Cobb Vanth was the guy that had the Mandalorian armor in Mandalorian. He had Boba Fett's armor. Um, now he's just like a space cowboy. But he's one of those guys when I see him in the star Wars universe, I'm like, Oh, that's Timmy, Timothy Oliphant. Yes, it is. AKA Raylan Givens from justified AKA Sheriff Bullock from Deadwood. He plays the same character and everything. And I love it. Well, uh, so Mandalorian shows up and is like, Hey, we need your people. We need your help. Um, you know, obviously we don't expect you to fight, but we, ex- we at least expect you to remain neutral during everything. Right. Mm-hmm. Mandalorian leaves and then a mysterious not handsome stranger shows up at the edge of town and he gets into a gun slash blaster duel with Cobb Vanth and then we get the big reveal that it is uh, what's his face from the Clone Wars shows uh, Cad, Cad Bane. Bane okay 
uh, I need to talk about this. Um, Go ahead. So, first of all, like, you know, he has the talk with him, and he leaves. And then Cad Bane comes in. Just him. I'm getting goosebumps right now. Take Like, Luke Skywalker's bad. There's Baby Yodas, Jedi whatnot, Oshkosh by gosh. I'm like, get it all out of here. Give me the Cobb Vanth Cad Bane show, and I will watch that every week. He comes out. He ends up talking to him. He does the whole, and I love the fact that like earlier on in the show that uh, Cobb is like shooting down the pikes that are bringing spice to him. And at no point, he's, he's having a good old time. He's laughing. Cobb comes in and he looks at him. He's like, I'm talking to you. I didn't get your name, stranger. He's always very polite. I love it. And, and Cad looks up and he looks him in the eyes and there's a moment of fear in Cobb's eyes. He's like, this isn't some scrub like these pike guys. This is a killer. And he's like, okay, I got to do this. And his dumb deputy comes out and he starts blah, blah, blah. Our, our sheriff isn't for sale. And Cobb's like, get out of here. Like, you're going to die. And there's that moment where they're both hands on their guns kind of doing, they're looking at each other. And the deputy pulls his gun and Cobb takes his eyes off Cad for one second, one second. And because of that, he ends up clipping Cobb, hopefully only in the shoulder. I slowed it down and watched it like 17 times. Um, but then he just lays into the deputy and he leaves. And I'm like, this is the greatest see the greatest moment of Star Wars ever, right here, as far as I'm concerned. Um, love, 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 love uh the two characters. And the fact that uh Cad Bane had the the nerve to say, I'd be careful where you're sticking your nose was fantastic because he does not have a nose. Oh, that's hurtful. Which, Right, which made me laugh. And because he talks to Cobb and he goes, you shouldn't have gave up your armor. And he gives all this stuff that like that, that he's talking about. It's like, how does Cad know about all this stuff? He's been watching. He's been working for the Pikes. And he's the one who gunned down all the sand people that Boba Fett with. It wasn't those bikers. It was him. And then he put the the graffiti on it to make it look like them. And now he's going to have personal beef with Boba Fett because he killed all these people when we find out. That's an interesting theory. Mm -hmm. So, but I love Cad Bane. Now I need my Cobb Vanth figure. All right. Now, uh, a couple things about this, and I'll just throw this out there. I think I told Todd uh, when we spoke in between now and then, but this was one of those ones where woke up on Wednesday, getting my stuff around, have some breakfast, get my coffee. It's about 7 8 o'clock, and I see two posts on social media that just say, uh, hey, uh, you better watch your uh, Book of Boba Fett now because the spoiler train is coming. <laughs> and I'm like, all right. I sat down and I watched it, right? Right. So uh, as you're listening to this, the finale is out. If this is not enough of a warning for you that there are going to be spoilers all over social media, mm-hmm. do not go on social media until you have watched the finale of Book of, of Boba Fett. Yep. I will be waking up at 3 a.m. to watch it after you, we're done recording. Right. You are you are ruining things for yourself. You mm-hmm. should know by now how these things work. Right. You can't say I was surprised that they put spoilers up. I can't believe it. Don't they know that there's a window? Yes, they do, and they don't care. Right. Could I... Oh, go ahead, sorry. No, no, go ahead. 
Can I throw out one more thing about my uh, a theory on Baby Yoda staying? Yes. Um, uh, that I didn't get to is the fact that the Mandalorian built that new ship with uh, what's her face, and they took the astromech droid area out and they put something in with a clear little dome that's a perfect little cockpit for a Baby Yoda. That's all Aww. I'm gonna say. Now, are you gonna have to buy the uh, Naboo fighter? with Mando and Baby Yoda? No, because Cobb Vanth and Cad Bane have nothing to do with that. All right, fair enough. Now, if they have Cod, uh, Cad Bane and uh, uh, Cobb Vanth toys and ships, I'm buying them all. Okay. All. So I turn things over to you uh, for Legends of Tomorrow, if that's okay. If you're not that prepared, is- just let me know. That is fine. So basically, uh, at the last episode, they decided to stop the assassination of uh, Archduke Ferdinand to stop World War One, to create an anomaly, to bring in the fake, the uh, evil legends, who I forgot at this point, they don't know are them. Um, so they're like, OK, we'll do that. We'll bring them in and then we'll steal the ship, take Gideon out and we'll put, you know, we'll have our time ship back. So they end up showing up. Uh, the evil legends, they come out of the ship and they're like, oh my God, it's us. They made robot duplicates of us. And look at Nate. His arms are bigger than mine. Um, they end up coming out, killing a bunch of the time anomaly folks and taking the ship back in, up into the sky. So their plan is shot the second that it happens. So they go back to the uh, to the bar and they make a new plan, but the robot Barod uh, ends up following them. They end up taking him out. Um, so they're like, what are we going to do? Um, so they give over the plan to Dr. Davies because he was in the war and he ends up becoming like a decent general. He's like, well, we'll do all these little, uh, uh, little, uh, what do you call it? Uh, like anomalies that they'll go. Um, and at first, uh, he sends them out and they all do anomalies that nobody cares about because they don't understand this time. So Davey's like, no, go do this, do that. And like, they end up doing it. And like, they'd say like Darth Vader is Luke's father and all this dumb stuff. So they end up, uh, you know, it's, it's working. Um, and they end up splitting up the team so they can do it. And, uh, they get, uh, Sarah ends up fighting evil Nate. And for some reason, when you punch evil Nate in the face, he gets an Arnold Schwarzenegger accent. Oh boy. Uh, So that's very interesting. Um, And also the uh, evil legends kill uh, Eobard. Um, So now somebody needs to take over guarding this, this uh, fixed point in time. So uh, he ends up giving his bracelet to Sarah and says, you promised. And she's like, all right, we'll take care of it. So uh, they end up deciding to use the real Barad as a spy to send him into the ship, has it land. He goes in and they figure out that they need to get Zari to go in because she's the only one who can go in and disable Gideon. Um, So all the legends end up basically kind of sort of being at one point the evil version of themselves. So they have to actually act crappy as the crappy versions of themselves, which is funny. Um, and they end up using fake Zara to, to disable uh, the, the evil Gideon. And at that point, we find out uh, one of the subplots is that Astra is overprotective of real Gideon because she's like her mother. 
and they end up getting the ship back and they're like, oh, we'll put our Gideon back in. But one of the robots that they ended up destroy, like th- thinking they destroyed, ends up stabbing uh, real Gideon. And is she dead? Is she, you know, is she still alive? Go to uh, the next episode. Uh, I, uh, and also, they end up tricking fake Nate with his Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, accent into taking the wristband to protect the fixed point in time, so Sarah doesn't have to do it. By the way, my favorite is uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, steel he's the best joe did i miss anything no um this one was just okay i like last i like the setup a lot more than this week's payoff um i think it was all downhill for me where the time people from the endpoint bar decided to rush the evil robot legends Mm -hmm. and the barkeep just immediately just gets taken out I assumed he would have played a bigger part in things, you know? Mm -hmm. Right. You thought he was going to be Dr. Davies or something. Yeah. Yeah. He still could be. He could live to a ripe old age and then get killed saving himself. Yeah. um, I don't know. This episode was just okay. I feel as though the mistaken identity stuff got like real old real quick. I, I just, like I said, I like them doing the fake uh, voices that their evil ones do. That, and I will say, evil Astra might be the face of this episode. The face? The face. Um, I Oh, you know what? And let's say this. We're in spoiler discussion, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I feel as though this episode, they were skimping on the effects for the Gary alien costume. What? They used the shadow? Uh, they used the shadow, but then when it was in light, it looked like real, like janky. Let's okay. say I don't know. Uh, but when they did the uh, cause they they pushed the two into the the pit of hell that's in the 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 house of secrets mysteries thing, right? But then the one comes out as you mentioned that stabs Astrid. She has like the T eight hundred Terminator two burnt off metal face, right? They saved all the special effects for that. Right, and her burnt wig. (laughs) Yes, because that looked really good. (laughs) Yeah, they actually took a wig and burned it, so that's how they made it look like a real burnt wig. Yes. And uh, Legends is off for two weeks, and then there's two more episodes left. So if you're following along with that sort of stuff. And uh, last but not least is uh, Peacemaker, uh, episode six of eight. Mern after reading. Hmm. Um, we get the big reveal that everyone knows uh, in the group uh, that Mern is inhabited by one of the butterflies. Uh, the butterfly that is inhabiting Mern is kind of like the dissenter butterfly who decided that, like, hey, you know, maybe we shouldn't kill everyone. Maybe we should, like, I don't know, not you know, murder the entire planet. Mm-hmm. Um, we, well, okay, so we learn that their plan is they find where all the nectar is coming from. It's coming from this barn. All these trucks are coming from this barn, going to that location that they shot up last week. So they're like, okay, our plan is to go to that barn because there's got to be something. And they call it a cow, right? Mm-hmm. Something that they're milking to get all of this nectar 
to fill up, to spread around to all of the, uh, whatchamacallits, all the other butterflies that are out there, okay? Um, Peacemaker's dad gets out of prison, finally. And as he gets out of prison, the word gets out that it was actually Peacemaker, John Cena, who did all the crimes that he was framed for. So now the cops, led by Sophie, are coming in to get Peacemaker and Vigilante. With a distraction from Eagly, they get out through the top hatch in Peacemaker's trailer, which I think they would have seen him. But again, we'll, we'll pretend that the tree cover was enough. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, obviously, these two dunderheads um, get caught. They slip. They fall. And wouldn't you know who won the pony to try to save everything? Vigilante had um, the golf butterfly that John Cena had kept in a glass jar. He had it tied around his waist. When he fell, the glass jar shattered. And the butterfly inhabited Sophie. And Sophie goes home, goes home, goes back to the police station, punches a bunch of things in on the computer that don't look like no English, and summons hundreds, if not thousands, of butterflies to the police station. They inhabit all of the police officers, all of the prisoners. And while this is going on, Augie Smith is rallying his troops and the uh, white dragon is getting ready to make his move on Peacemaker and the crew. So now you've got the butterflies, the white dragon and his uh, 'er ne'er-do-wells. It's all coming to a head, but we've got two episodes left, Todd. Yeah, I will say um, the bit where like Sophie gets possessed and then she's like talking and her partner is like confused by it. Then he goes, she goes back. She's like, just, just enjoy this moment. And we don't know what that means at the time, but later on we find out it was like, cause we're coming, I'm coming back with my people and I'm taking over. And she ends up smiling and she says, it, it's weird. H face is different. He's like, I have no idea what you're talking about, but she can't smile. Right. When those butterflies attack the police station and take everybody over, first of all, just a great scene, an amazing scene. And they end up like, you know, being all possessed and they come walking out and they're all trying to smile. It's James Gunn, AKA Jimmy Pistol, supposed to be a goofy scene, right? But it also is one of the creepiest things I've ever seen. And the head cop who's Mern's friend, um, who is just, he looks so bizarre with that haircut. If he was 20 years younger, he would be the perfect Joker. I was like, Oh my God, I'll show you the picture I'm even talking about. No, no, I know exactly the picture that you're talking about because it was very distressing. Yes, it was. And I was like, there it is. And just fantastic. And them marching out to that song and then cut to sad uh, uh, Peacemaker because when the cops raided the place, they end up finding his journal that Adebayo his fake journal planted because Amanda Waller said, and it's basically him confessing to all the stuff that they did and some stuff that they, he didn't do and this stuff. And it's like, and he sits down and he just plays home sweet home on the piano. I was like, this is, this is really, really good at this as goofy and crazy as this show is. Once again, as I always say it, the goofy stuff makes the emotional stuff punch all that harder. 
Yes, and John Cena apparently learned that or knew that on the piano because I was looking. Mm-hmm. Um, and when they do the close-up shots, like they ain't faking John Cena's big sausage fingers, you know? I think they could have just like they did on Legends of Tomorrow, Joe. Oh, boy. No, but uh, uh, Jimmy Pistol did come out and say that that was him during yep. it all, like you said. Though, but I go, oh, he learned to play it, but... Did he really, like, was that the music that was actually coming out of the piano that we heard? Eh, I don't think so. so. I'd like to believe that it was. Right. You get what I'm saying. Like, I he, do. He hit the notes in time, but I don't think he was playing the piano, if that makes any sense. Sure. And I'll say this, you know, obviously, uh, I think James Gunn and a bunch of the other cast do, like, a watch-along on Saturday night. Yes. And they do kind of like, it's almost like a director's commentary for it. So, you know, if you watch it and you want to follow along with it to get that information there. Uh, the one bit uh, that I found interesting, not a surprise, but interesting, um, is that essentially once the butterflies get in you, you're dead. Like, there's no coming back. Yes. Because um, the Mern bit. He's yes. like, I took his life, even though he was a dirt. I found the worst person I could find, yeah. but he could have changed. And I took that from him. That was a great little scene. Yep. And I think um, James Gunn said that that was like the test read scene. Mm-hmm. Um, that all the, like all the people that auditioned for Mern, that was the scene they had to do. Because if you can't nail that, what's the point? Right. Exactly. And again, it's being a James Gunn fan for as long as it is, it's crazy to see how much of like the trauma method he still employs in his big budget comic book making movies and TV shows, you know? Yeah. And I will say this because, I mean, obviously you did like the tweet and stuff like that. Him giving big props to Jam to Maddie's on Twitter the other day. Uh huh. I have to say, I'm like, all right, I'm not a big Jimmy Pistol guy the way you are. Like, obviously, because I know he's done some horror. That's not my thing. But when he did the applaud to the 30th, 35th anniversary or whatever it was, I was like, all right, Jimmy, I'm loyal till the day I die. You know what I mean? And give me that JLI TV show by him. Give it to me. Listen, he's a real dude, man. You know, like Jimmy Pistol, don't mess around. He's not a fakey phony fraud who just came here the other day you know fresh off the turnip truck right he's got the receipts if he knows jli yep uh and this has two more episodes left uh so next week we'll be talking about the last episode of uh boba fett and the second to last episode of peacemaker week after that'll be the last episode of peacemaker then we're back to legends of tomorrow and then uh the batman comes out on march something or other that's right, and we sneak another Batzoni into the theater. No, no. You see, the Batzoni was, like, not trending and stuff, but a lot more people were talking about it this week on social media. Sure, that's we're trendsetters, Joe. That's right. I made sure to, you know, kind of share the share it the best I could with everyone. You know, our, our we were, like, we were ahead of the Batzoni curve. We That's the one thing I, we can say. On uh, food tie-ins, there ain't nobody who's going to be ahead of us. No. No. Uh, is there a, oh, you know what? And this is to close out the show. I don't think there's enough time for them to get it in place now. Um, but where are our Moon Knight Moon Pies? 
Oh my god! And then you could do the little comics. Yep. Yeah, like the Hostess Pie comics. Yep. I'm fine. I'm fine with that. You know? Maybe for the next season. That's that's the way to go. That's definitely the way to go. I was trying to think of a food that rhymes or sounds like Morbius, but I can't come up with anything. No, you do like a Hostess Pies that has like you know some sort of red blood like filling or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but Morbius ain't coming out, so they can't do anything like that. <laughs> that is true. All right. Well, everyone, thanks for bearing with us. Thanks for hanging in there. And Todd, I just want to throw this out there. We didn't say at the beginning of the show that this would be a short show. Right. So that's and it was a, I hate. Go ahead. It, I was going to say, and it was a normal size show. I have to remember for next week. Let me write that down on my next week's page for yes. my notes. So for Todd, this is Joe saying this was Longbox Heroes episode 593. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next week. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. You're listening to the soon-to-be-named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Network.